Welcome to the Confident Money Podcast, where we talk money, finances, and accounting for real people without all the technical jargon, patronizing, and gatekeeping. I'm your host, Caitlin Magnuson, and I'm going to be your new finance bestie. Welcome back. We're going to talk today about accounting systems, FU to profit first, the anti-budget, and how you can simplify your finances and how to calculate what your business should make based on your personal financial needs. So buckle up. This is going to be a really, really information heavy episode. So pause, re-listen, come back to it and take some notes because it's, it's a lot. Okay. Number one, we're going to start with how to calculate what your business should make based on what your personal financial needs are. So it's a really long way of saying, let's reverse engineer your business income and your business sales to support your life personally, because the majority of us may love what we do for business. I certainly do, but I got into business to make money and to support my livelihood and my lifestyle. So I go into this in so much depth. And there's even like a little calculator worksheet for you in my get your finance shit together course, but we're going to walk through this verbally. And I want you to say, we're going to use an example. You go in and you're going to add up all of your personal financial bills, personal again. So like rent, mortgage, utilities, car insurance, car payments, student loans, credit card debt, whatever you have that are required, like all those payments per month, add them up and then add 20% to that. The reason that I recommend you add 20% to that is because myself included, we tend to chronically underestimate our actual expenses. We all tend to be like major optimists when it comes to that. And that's just not the case. 99% of the time. So add that 20% in for a buffer that also accounts for my car broke down. I had an unexpectedly high month. I had family come visit and my, you know, food bill was significantly higher, or maybe you go buy clothes. Cause most of us don't think to budget those things in, but there are absolutely things that you pay for maybe a couple times a year that you're not thinking about. So we're going to use this example. Say your personal monthly finance expenses are $5,000. We're going to add 20%. It's another thousand dollars. So your personal financial number is $6,000. Okay. So what does your business need to be making as a starting point to support $6,000? The answer to that in general is $12,000. So you take your personal finances, you add 20% to that and you double it. Reason being, because we're working backwards, I recommend taking 50% of your business profit for your personal expenses, for your personal income, for your owner's pay. So what we just did was take what you needed personally and flip it. Okay. So we now have our number, right? You need to be making $12,000 a month in your business and sales to have on average $6,000 to pay yourself. This gives you a really good starting point. Is this always accurate? No, this is not always going to be accurate. Maybe you're an e-commerce business. Maybe you're an agency or you have really high expenses or you're taking less than 50%. This is meant to be a starting point for you to be able to forecast what you need to make. So maybe you're looking to leave a day job. Maybe you have a spouse or a partner that 
you know, you're looking to support while they go full time. Maybe you're looking to, you know, move out of a situation that you're in right now. This lets you plan accordingly so that you know, you're making enough. Now by doubling that number that you need personally, that gives you 50% for yourself. It gives you approximately 25 to 30% for business expenses. So about $3,000 a month. And it gives you the remainder of that for taxes and retirement. So by setting aside 20% on the low end, I really recommend 25% wherever you can, especially if you're in a higher income state, you then can get to the end of the year and you should have some money left over in that tax account. Now we're going to talk about <laughs> the FU to profit first. I think that profit first is brilliant on the surface. I think it is a damn nightmare in execution for the majority of business owners. So profit first essentially recommends, and we're going to start with the baby level. Okay. It recommends you have different accounts or different buckets, basically for different things. So you have an income, you have profit, you have operating expenses, you have taxes. And I think you have owner's pay if I'm remembering correctly. And the recommendation is that you open checking accounts for each of these and you portion out your income and your expenses and your money into those accounts. So a certain percentage, you know, maybe 50% goes to you as owners pay, you pay yourself out of there. A certain percentage, like 1% goes to profit. Great. You pay yourself that out. I love the concept. I think it is so overcomplicated and I've seen it fail with a lot of business owners that I've worked with because a lot of the business owners that are interested in profit first are looking for control over their finances, right? You want control. You want to know where your money's going. You think of the system and you're like, oh my God, that's perfect. Like, and it makes sense, right? However, the reality is for a lot of those business owners that are looking for control, they don't necessarily have the income to support the profit first breakdown. What I mean by that is if you're not currently able to live on 50% or less of your income from your business, then if you need to portion 50% into your owner's pay account, but you actually need 60%, you need to adjust your percentages or you need to increase your income. So instead of putting money in all of these different accounts and then having to move money, cause that's what I've seen happen. So one, it can make your accounting more tedious and easier to mess up, especially if you're doing it yourself, because you have all of these accounts. Every time you move money into one of those accounts, a transaction is created. So let's say that you do it maybe once a week and you split every single one of your payments up according to these percentages, you know, have that going to every single one of those accounts. That's fine. But then you're not actually set up to be using profit first because maybe you're not making enough in profit right now. Maybe you're not making enough in sales right now to be doing this system. You then end up having to move that money back into your account to then be able to pay yourself or be able to pay bills. So you've now duplicated those transactions when they didn't need to occur in the first place. So what I recommend instead is that we simplify it. I recommend one checking account for your business, one savings account for your business and one credit card for your business. And I actually recommend something pretty similar on the personal side, plus retirement accounts. So with those, 
all of your income comes into your checking account. All of your expenses, humanly possible, go out on your credit card. And you move a portion over for taxes and retirement to your savings account. This gives you more flexibility. It decreases the number of transactions for accounting purposes. And it helps if you do have a month where maybe cash flow is not great or you're needing to move things around, you're not getting hit by fees and accounts. I had a client once that had profit first set up with Wells Fargo. Wells Fargo charges $10 a month per business checking account that dips below an average balance of $500. She hit a cash flow crunch due to unforeseen circumstances. And she was being hit with $50 of fees for those five accounts every single month because she had them all set up. So checking, savings, credit card. The reason I recommend a credit card is because you're able to A, earn points, B, it comes with better fraud protection, and C, for any of us that travel for business, there's additional travel perks as well that normally come from most credit cards. The best part of that is if you get a business credit card that is aligned with whatever one of your personal credit cards is, you can generally transfer points or miles or rewards that you earn with the business to yourself personally with no tax issues coming up, which is really exciting. So I definitely recommend doing that because then you can use those personally for trips to redeem them on your end, you know, whatever really excites you. Hey, if you're enjoying the show, make sure you subscribe and join our community at confidentmoneypodcast.com where we share resources and all of the money happenings. Plus you can send feedback and suggestions for what you'd like to see covered in future episodes. That's confidentmoneypodcast.com. Okay, back to the show. So business savings, how much do you need to be saving? This is probably one of the top five questions I get asked. How much do I need to be saving for taxes, for retirement, for emergencies? So we're going to talk about just the business side of things. In general, I recommend 20 to 30%. I really like if you can be setting aside 30% of your business income for taxes and retirement. That will almost always guarantee that you will have leftover at the end of the year. Assuming that you have leftover at the end of the year, number one, celebrate, yay. Um, number two, I then like to take that and do two things, sometimes three things with it. Number one, contribute more to retirement or contribute to retirement if you haven't done so. Number two, upgrade any equipment that you had been putting off. Number three, treat yourself. I think it's so easy for a lot of us to get focused on, oh, it's a business write-off. It's a business write-off. It's a business write-off. I'm going to get these things for the business. I'm going to reinvest in the business, but we don't take care of ourselves. Take this time to take care of yourself and also be fiscally responsible. So retirement contributions, upgrade any equipment that truly needs to be upgraded, and then treat yourself with your leftover tax money. 30% is going to feel like a lot. And actually in our next episode, we're going to talk about taxes, quarterly estimated taxes, annual taxes, payroll taxes, maybe even sales tax. We'll, we'll probably touch on that just a little bit, but I want you to understand that you 
need to have a plan for the money that you need to be making. So if you know, I need to be making this much money. Okay. You know what you need to be making in your business. Now we're going to use that same example from before. You're going to take that $12,000 that you need to be making in your business and break it out. If you're a photographer, how many weddings is that a month? Is that four weddings at 3000 a pop? Is it three weddings at 4,000 on average? Is it two weddings at 4,000 and a couple of branding sessions or engagement sessions? There are so many different ways that this can work out, but it then gives you a plan so that you can work backwards and plan your marketing and your outreach accordingly, because you know, you're not just running in the dark here, trying to get all the money you can make all the sales you can and making more than that $12,000 is absolutely fine. But again, you know, that that's your baseline for how to be pricing yourself. And you have to take into consideration that if you're doing something hourly, maybe you're a VA and maybe you are pricing your services hourly. Again, we go into this in my course, get your finance shit together, self-study course. I have a whole thing for how to price yourself hourly based on what you're wanting to make. You don't base your hourly on full-time hours. You are not an employee. You are a business owner. All of your hours are not billable. So what I normally recommend is about a 20 hour billable week, 15, ideally, but 20 normally when you're getting, getting going. So what that would look like, let's say we're going to use that $6,000 example again. Okay. And I'm actually going to pull up the calculator while we're here. You need $6,000 per month. You need 12,000 in your business. What does $12,000 divided by four weeks, and I'm going to tell you why we're using four weeks in a month, even though there's more than four weeks, divided by 20. So that comes out to $150 an hour if you're working 20-hour billable weeks. So for $12,000 a month in business revenue, if you're an hourly you know, VA, something along those lines, you need to be aiming for packages that are $150 an hour. If this feels really high, I encourage you to either work with a coach, to get additional certifications, to review your packages, to offer a higher value service where needed. Now, the reason that I recommend 20 hours is because 40 hours of billable work per week is a lot. That's not including time that you spend invoicing your clients, time that you spend marketing, time that you spend, you know, potentially onboarding clients, doing your social media, doing your admin, communicating with a the team. There are all of these things that go on in the background, right? Writing blogs, writing social content, doing TikToks, doing reels. All of this takes time and you, you're, you're not able to build these to clients unless you're doing social media management, in which case, sweet. Um, so you need to think about that. You could probably go as high as 30 hours, especially when you're getting started. Just be really careful because it's super easy to burn out. And just for this example, 30 hours a week, when you need to make $12,000, divided by four, we're going to divide it by 30, puts you at $100 an hour. And also keep in mind in this hourly rate, this is your sick time. This is your PTO. This is your health insurance. This is your retirement. This is everything. If you are working with a client as a contractor or as a business owner, you are not being paid as an employee. Your hourly rate is going to be higher. 
So you can expect easily if you were making 20 or $30 as an employee in a role to double, if not triple that rate as a contractor, because you have additional expenses, including income taxes that you're now responsible for paying that the employer is not responsible for paying or the, you know, client that you're contracting with now is not responsible for paying. So these numbers may feel high, but you really need to take into consideration what all is factored in there. And that takes us to why I recommend basing it off of a four week month. So a four week month leaves us with four weeks a year unaccounted for because most months are like 4.3 weeks. So by working on a 28 day or four week month, this builds in four weeks per year of paid time off essentially. So we're not counting those weeks in here. That's sick time. That's personal time. That's holidays. That's non-billable days that are already built into your pricing. So again, these numbers may feel high, but you need to be realistic when you're looking to scale your business. And I work with a lot of wedding photographers, videographers, and photographers in general. Keep this in mind when you're looking at billable hours. And for any of you looking to book a wedding vendor, remember that when they're there for your day, for your session, that is a very small part of the overall client experience that they're curating. So yes, you go there, you capture the photographs, you capture the moment, you then go back, you back up all of your photos, which can take some time. You then most times do sneak peeks or previews. You then cull, edit, and deliver, and in some cases, design albums. And all of that can take the same amount of time, if not more, that it took for the actual event. So keep in mind that when you have someone, and again, if you're a photographer, your billable hours are what it takes you. And you can do this when you're building your packages. If you're doing an eight hour package and that eight hour package includes an additional eight hours of work, your billable is actually 16 hours. So you need to take into consideration in this example, you would want to do 16 hours times that $150 that we were looking at, which would be $2,400. $2,400 in this case would be your minimum starting package for eight hours. That doesn't include engagement sessions. That doesn't include albums. That doesn't include anything else. So understand that you're putting like, th those are your working hours to make this package happen. And you need to make sure for anyone that works events like this, that have additional follow-up, or if you do maybe a VIP intensive day with someone, maybe you're a coach or a consultant and you're doing this VIP intensive day, is there pre-work that you're helping them with? Is there additional support that's coming in after the fact? Include those hours. And again, use this as a starting point. You are going to have to assess what the value is that you bring, what the market value is that you provide, and the specific niche that you're looking to be in. I have a client that's a film photographer that charges six, seven, eight thousand plus for weddings. And I have some clients that charge between two and three thousand for weddings. I'm not saying that one of them is more talented than the other. One of them works in a different niche than the other. One of them, you know, is doing film versus digital. Like there, there's a big difference in the markets and in the marketing that they're doing. So picking what you're wanting to do, 
picking the type of customer you're wanting to work with, and most importantly, making sure that your pricing is aligned with A, what supports your lifestyle and what your business needs to make, and B, that you're not underpricing your services because the majority of us absolutely underprice our services. Okay, this is going to be a little bit longer episode than normal, but I want to talk about systems, automation, the anti-budget, and how we can simplify. So this leads into what we were talking about beforehand. When you're moving money over to your tax account, to your personal account, I want you to think about how you can make things simpler. Where can you build up a buffer in your account? Maybe you pretend like your checking account, maybe $0 for your business is actually $2,000. And you don't dip below that in there. You've set a buffer in there, but that also lets you know, you can set up some bills on auto pay. Maybe you have, you know, a contractor that you pay regularly. What can you do so that you're having to pay bills and do less admin work? What accounting software can you set up so that you are able to do a little bit of work on the front end, make sure your you know, chart of accounts, which is your categories is set up appropriately. You know how to use them and you're able to set up automations and rules so that you're not having to go through at the end of the year, which been there, done that. We, <laughs> I'm sure you probably have too. Um, but instead at the end of the year, you're able to pull your reports from your accounting software and like be ready for tax time. It's, it's seriously magical. So where can you be doing things to set yourself up for success? Like accounting software, like automating your money, like doing an anti-budget and an anti-budget is exactly what it sounds like. You essentially set up all of your bills to pay and then you are left at the end of the month or the end of the pay period or whatever with what your fun money is. Instead of spending and setting money aside for each of these categories, you basically can pay that money out, automate your bills, and then YOLO with the rest of what's there. And to me, at least, it feels a lot more expansive and much less restrictive than traditional budgeting, which my ADHD ass never ever could stick with for more than like a month or two. And then I felt like a failure. And then there was a shame spiral. And then I went into it all over again. So for me, automating my budgets, automating my money, automating my business and my finances, wherever I can has made such a big difference a in my earning capacity, but B in the accuracy of my numbers and the reduction in stress come tax time. And I think so many people struggle with this because we get all of this messaging, you know, you're, you're lazy or why can't you do this? Why can't you make it work? Like budgets are what you need to do in order to have money. You need to budget to be rich. You need to budget to pay off debt. You can't have debt. How dare you? Um, debt is bad. And it's just this constant spiral of like shame talk and shit that goes on. And I think that for so many of us, this is hard because you're getting these mixed messages and you're being told that you should be able to do this and other people can do this. And they paid off 36,000 or 50,000 or 80,000 in student loan debt in two years. Here's how you can do it by just budgeting. It's okay. If that doesn't work for you, there are other ways, especially if you're a business owner, especially if your earning potential is more untapped, 
you are able to set up these automations so that your money can work for you instead of you having to, you know, cram a square peg into a round hole and make yourself fit in a budget or work in a budget when it's not working for you. Cover all of this in my course, get your finance shit together, self-study course, the calculators that I mentioned in here are there, the pricing tools are in there, both for service-based and for product-based or e-commerce businesses, because those ratios look a little bit different and how to set up your accounting software, how to do your categories, what the taxable categories are, how to do the anti-budget, how to do this breakdown that I explained with the retirement, the checking, the savings, it's all there. So if you want more and you want to give this a try because regular budgeting hasn't worked for you, you're tired of getting to the end of the year and having everything just Knowing that it's looming at the end of the year when you get there is exhausting. So instead of having that happen, make this the year that you kick the year off and you don't deal with that effort again. You never have to be that person at the end of the year. If you loved this episode, make sure to leave a five-star review for a chance to win a free financial strategy session with yours truly, Caitlin Magnuson. We do the drawing the first week of every month, and to be eligible, you'll want to leave a five-star review and include your IG handle so we can contact the winner. I'll see you next time where we'll chat real finances for real people.